Bibles and turn to John 13. Matt, I appreciate uh, the songs this morning in preparing our hearts uh, to receive God's Word here in John chapter 13. The word traitor is an ugly term, isn't it? Sure is. It speaks of betrayal and treason. And throughout history, there has been many traitors. There has. In fact, one that usually comes to my mind, and it did this week, is Benedict Arnold. Uh, During the Revolutionary War, I was reading a little bit on him on the Internet. And he had felt mistreated by the American military, and he also needed some money, some extra money to feed his lifestyle in his civilian life. And so he planned to surrender the fort at West Point for several thousand pounds and also a British military command. But thankfully, the plot was discovered. And he fled to the British side to fight against his own countrymen. And after the war, he went to England, where he died in scorn. Not just by the Americans, but also the British as well. So it wasn't a happy ending for him. And it shouldn't have been. Well, our text for today reveals another traitor. Probably the most well-known of all time. And so I want you to follow with me as I read... Verses 18 to 30. But we're only going to be looking at verses 18 to 20 this morning. All right? Jesus goes on in this narrative to say to his disciples, I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you, That one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of whom he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered that it is one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now one of you, now no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were supposing, because Jesus had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we have need of. Or the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You know, at the beginning of this passage, 
verse 18. Jesus said these words, I do not speak of all of you. He was referring back to verse 17 and the receiving a blessing for those who follow him, follow Christ's example. Serving Christ is serving others. Well, there was one of the disciples who would not know such a blessing. You see, back in verses 10 and 11, if you remember, Jesus had told Peter these words. Look with me back there. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And then we have this commentary from John. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So in the rest of this passage, Jesus went on to make known that there was a traitor in the camp. But he did it in a very careful way. I marvel at this when I read through it. He did it in a very careful way so as to keep the rest of the disciples from stumbling in their faith. You see, through though much of this text is about Judas, and it certainly is, the main focus should be on Jesus. Because he was never in a state of panic about the situation. Or playing the helpless victim, not at all. He knew what was going to happen. He even states it in this passage of scripture. And he came to do the Father's will. And that was a part of the picture. And so he wasn't in panic at all. And so the main focus is Jesus. You know, beloved, this whole account actually should be a solemn warning to those who profess Christ. There are pretenders among God's army. There are. And this is going to be our focus next week in verses 21 to 30, where Jesus really settled down to expose the soul of the betrayer. But in verses 18 to 20 for this morning, he first sought to strengthen the souls of the true disciples. To prepare them for what was about to happen. Like Jesus, they are going to be betrayed as well. By the one that they had ministered with for three years. But he also is here encouraging his disciples. Beloved, there are times when we are hurt by others around us and in the body of Christ. And so what happens here happens with us. We can make the bridge and the application of what Jesus said to strengthen the souls of the true disciples. It can be applied to us this morning. And so I want you to consider with me three truths. Three truths that our Lord conveyed in this text, which should always keep God's people faithful in trying times. These are truths that I know you have heard before, 
But we easily forget. I would imagine that even as we leave here this morning and we get to talking with people, we forget. I can remember John MacArthur saying one time that when he preaches, he brings a boatload (laughs) from the Word. And when people walk out, they've got a thimble. And by the time they get to the car, it's spilled. (laughs) Yeah, that happens. And so we need to be reminded of these truths regularly. But I will tell you, as I meditated upon this throughout this week, I was encouraged once again by truths that I already knew and that I saw in this passage and what Jesus was sharing to his disciples to strengthen them in the moment. And they're there for us to strengthen us as well. And so I pray that God will encourage your hearts. And the first truth is captured there in verse 18. Again, what does it say? I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. So what do you notice there? What's the truth? A strong truth. It's simply this. God chooses his disciples. That's a truth that should encourage your hearts. God chooses his disciples. Jesus said there, I know the ones I have chosen. And I believe here that he was speaking to two aspects that I want to cover this morning. Very important aspects. Number one, I believe he was referring here to the twelve. Absolutely. But one of them, Judas, was to fulfill the sovereign purposes of God as mentioned in the latter part of the verse. It says there, but, that's a strong word of contrast to what he just said there, I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus here was quoting Psalm 41 in verse 9. We're not going to go there. But David was expressing in that passage the betrayal of a very close friend. Possibly Ahithophel which is recorded in 2 Samuel 15, I believe. But it also pointed forward to Christ's betrayal. Why? Because it's mentioned here. Just like Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. The prophet there, in that passage of Scripture, said that the one that was to be betrayed is going to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. The scriptures declare that. And all the events that happen after that, which are recorded for us in Acts chapter 1. Look with me, if you would, at John chapter 17, verse 12. Our very context. What Jesus said. And here he is praying to God the Father. And this is what he mentions to the Lord, to God, his Father. John 17 and verse 12. While I was with them, that is the twelve... I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Yeah. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 1. I'm going back to the text that we read for our scripture reading as a body this morning. Acts chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. 
This is after the ascension, before the day of Pentecost. And Peter says this. At this time, Peter told, uh, stood up in the midst of the brethren. A gathering of about 120 persons was there together and said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. I think it's interesting there that the term is used, guide. <laughs> he betrayed Jesus. And yet, Peter there is being gracious. Indeed, it was Judas who betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. He guided some religious leaders to him. And actually, all of this was for the good of redemption, wasn't it? Absolutely, because as a result, those religious leaders put Jesus upon the cross where the wrath of God was poured out. God's wrath was satisfied through the Lord Jesus Christ. It reminds me a little bit of what it says in Isaiah 53, verse 10. It pleased the Lord to crush him. Think about that. Why? Because through his son, that wrath that should have been poured out on us was poured out on him. And he was satisfied with it. Only a perfect substitute could do that. So this was all for the good of redemption. That's why it was in the plan of God. And so, yes, on one hand, when Jesus says, I know the ones I have chosen, he is referring to the twelve. But then on the other hand, I also believe that Jesus was making the point that the one who would betray him was not of the chosen truly belonging to God. Belonging to Christ. Now, this is certainly captured right there in chapter 13, verse 18. I do not speak of all of you. <laughs> Referring back to verses 10 and 11 that we read earlier, right? So it's said right there. But go with me back to chapter 6. Chapter 6 of John. I want you to see this. John chapter 6. Beginning with verse 63. And it comes out of that part where Jesus fed the 5,000. Beginning 63, Jesus said this, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray Him. And He was saying, For this reason I have said to you, that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. Wow. Powerful words concerning the sovereignty of God in salvation. And then in verse 66 we see this. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. That's not the twelve there, but there were followers. When they heard those words, they ditched him. And so Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Is that in your heart this morning? <laughs> I pray that it is. I'm not going to anyone else. I'm not going to ditch you. You have the words of eternal life. There's nothing better. 
And Simon Peter went on to say, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. They were convinced of this. Jesus answered them, did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. Wow. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Now go with me to John 15. John 15. And at this point, on that night, before Jesus' crucifixion, Judas is not here. It's only the eleven. As you come to John 15, in verse 16. What does it say? You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you, or ordained you, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it you. Yeah, amen and amen. And so, yes, on one hand, He was speaking to the twelve there. But of the twelve, only eleven were true disciples belonging to Jesus. Both aspects Jesus is confronting there in 13, verse 18. Now, there's something I want to say. Though Judas was fulfilling prophecy here, he did not betray Christ against his own will. Let's remember that. He wasn't a robot. Indeed, it was something that he wanted to do out of the wickedness of his own heart. What you have here in this verse is a tension between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. In fact, in Luke 22, in verse 22, which corresponds to this passage, it says this. Jesus speaking, for indeed the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. The sovereignty of God. What is about to happen, I'm going to the cross, has been planned out by God. But then he goes on to say this, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. The responsibility of man. God not only determines what is going to happen, but how it's going to happen. And it was to happen through Judas. As prophesied by the psalmist, David, the psalmist there in Psalm 41 and verse 9. What Jesus said in verse 18 really was meant to keep the true disciples from floundering in their faith when the betrayal took place, but also to encourage them, okay? They were his chosen. Unto salvation. They belong to the Lord. And would ultimately persevere. They needed to hear that. And so, as he's beginning to talk about this betrayal, he wants to start by encouraging the hearts of his true disciples. You're chosen. You will persevere. And beloved, the same is true for you And I, as Christians, you are chosen of God. Amen? What grace! I mean, this is grace. 
I mean, as I stand before you this morning, and as I thought about that this week, I marvel at that thought, because I did not deserve that. Neither did you. But we marvel at the fact that we've been chosen, like the disciples, unto salvation. It's grace. We didn't deserve it. And so hang on to this truth. Because as Jesus' disciple, you will be betrayed and persecuted by people outside this flock and also in this flock. It's going to happen. Look with me over at John 15, 18 and 19. What Jesus reminded the 11 disciples, he said this. Verses 18 and 19, John 15. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I what? Chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. So expect it. It's going to happen. The grace of being his chosen vessel should carry you through any hurt from people, both inside and outside the church. I couldn't help yesterday think of Romans 8, 28 through 32. I want to read that. You don't need to turn there. I think you're familiar with that portion of scripture, but it must be read. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. From beginning to end, salvation is a work of God. Sovereignly bringing us to Himself and saving us, justifying us, glorifying us. Amen and amen. And so as we read that, we marvel at that. And so He comes to verse 31 and says these are, What then shall we say to these things? Oh my! If God is for us, which is demonstrated in those previous verses, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? We are blessed. Not Judas. He wasn't blessed. But we are. And we are chosen. Belonging to him. And so, may your thoughts guard and permeate your soul. These thoughts about that very thing. So that you remain faithful no matter what you encounter. You know, there's nothing so bad in this world that can't be overcome by that one thought. I'm chosen of God. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That brings me to the next truth. Which actually follows on the heels of the first. He goes on there in verse 19 to say this. From now on, I am telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am He. What is being stressed there? Again, very simply this, God controls all circumstances. God controls all circumstances. As you can see in this verse, 
Jesus wanted his disciples to know that he was aware of what was going to happen because he is God. He was God. Which is mentioned there at the end of verse 19. So when it does occur, what is said there in verse 18, you may believe that I am he, or better translated, I am. (laughs) It can stop right there. This goes back to what he had said to some seekers in John 8, 58. You know these words. John 8, 58, a few chapters back, he said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. They understood what he was saying. Yeah, that was blasphemy in their eyes because they didn't see Jesus as God. They knew he was claiming to be the very one in the burning bush before Moses. And when Moses went and said that, They were to let the people go. Pharaoh, who do I say sent me? And what did the one of the burning bush say? God, tell him I am sent you. (laughs) The eternal one. Past, present, future. The eternal one. I am sent you. You must listen to my words. And so Jesus being God was in control of what was going to occur here in that moment. In fact, I will tell you, I believe he was more concerned that his disciples continue to believe in who he claimed to be, rather than one of them turning away from him or betraying him. That was a part of the plan of God. God had already purposed that. He knew that in advance. And by sharing this with them, he was more concerned that they continue to believe in who he was and is. And that is God. How important this was for their understanding for the days ahead. And you know, beloved, there's going to be times when you will face hardships, hurt by others, and may question this. Where is God in all of this? If you don't say it, Maybe it comes across your mind. Where is God in all this that I'm facing? (laughs) Well, he's right there with you. He's right there with you because he is God. I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? And he's accomplishing his will in your life. It says in Ephesians 1.11, Speaking of Jesus... Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things, not some things, after the counsel of his own will. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God, or but God, is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you are able, but will with the temptation provide the way of escape also that you will be able to endure it. This is not talking about God taking your trial away, although that can be true. God can do that, and often He does. But what that verse is referring to is that He will go with you through it and help you come out on the other side. Jesus is God. And everything that goes on in your life is under his control because of that. And so don't doubt 
who Jesus is. Instead, remember that he is God. In fact, bring him into the picture of your life. In every aspect of your life. No matter what's going on. Bring him into the picture. You know why we get frustrated? You know why we become anxious? It's because he's not in the picture. You're overcome by all the various things that are going in your life. Maybe the hurts. You're overcome by that. Understand that God is using that for your good and His glory. He's in the picture. Bring Him into it. Don't leave Him out. Jesus is God who cares about you. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Yeah. I truly believe that if you bring God in the picture, you'll find victory over and over again, no matter what you face. Remember Joseph's situation? In Genesis 37 to 50, good example, good illustration here. You know the story. I mean, Joseph's brothers put him into a pit and left him for dead. They betrayed him. And by God's plan, some men came along, rescued him, took him to Egypt. And you know some of the stories related to that. But the main point of Genesis 37 to 50 is what Joseph said to his brothers. What you meant as evil to me, God meant it for good. What you meant as evil. Yeah. In fact, as we come to this text, in, a, in an indirect way, Jesus is saying to his disciples, yes, evil is happening. Okay. But it's by the plan of God. Jesus is telling his disciples, before everything occurs, I am God. Remember that when it takes place. May you remember that everything is in control. So you may you have the same attitude that Joseph did, realizing that God is in control of all circumstances. God chooses his disciples. That's one truth. The second truth that we see here is that God controls all circumstances, which brings us to one other truth there in verse 20. Look what Jesus goes on to say here. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. What do you see here? What's another truth? Again, very simply this, God calls for loyal representatives. God calls for loyal representatives. This is an encouraging commission to his disciples. We may not realize it from where we're sitting, but it was a very encouraging commission. Jesus was reminding the twelve that though one of them would lift up his heel against him... The remaining men were to still represent their Lord. They were still being sent. And they were to share the gospel message of the kingdom. It's not only said here, but later on in John chapter 20, the Lord Jesus reminds them again. Verses 19 to 21 of John 20. So when it was evening... 
on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He came back to it. He's reminding them, you have a job to do. I've called you to it. This reminds me also of Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which corresponds with that very commission. All authority has been given unto me, Jesus said. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all things. And lo, what? I am with you to the end of the age. So they didn't need to be concerned about their credibility, so to speak, of being hurt by one of the betrayers. Or that all hope was lost because Jesus now is going to be going into the hands of enemies. That is all going to happen. It's not going to change. No, Jesus had the situation under control and he still expected them to remain loyal to their calling. And again, beloved, the same is true for Christians today. It's disheartening. I don't know about you, but it is disheartening to hear of professing believers living in sin or turning their back on Christ. Even pastors falling by the wayside. I mean, we hear this going on. I mean, even the news in the last year, we've we've seen a number of these situations. So what happened then is happening today it's not going to change the gospel message is still true and god has called you to represent him amen the gospel message still is true even if people turn their back on christ and we're still to be faithful even if people turn their back on christ the results of how all that's going to happen is with god we need to depend on him Leave the results with him. You can't think, what's the use? I think there's some times that we do when we see these things happening around us. What's the use? Nobody's going to listen to us. They just think we're a bunch of hypocrites. And so you quit. Because you think, well, nobody's going to listen to the word now that some of God's faithful or professing Christians are leaving him. Maybe their message isn't true. That's not the case. Instead, you must understand that no one or anything can frustrate the plan of God. Amen? Right. Nothing can. And so, with that, we should be faithful and count it a privilege to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah. Yeah, that commission that he gave to his disciples in the midst of all that was going to happen was encouraging to them. They didn't need to worry about all of that. They were still his loyal representatives, and they needed to be faithful. I want you to look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 2. I was reminded of this the other day as I was working through this passage. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. You remember what happened. The Spirit of God came upon a number of people, and they started talking in all these languages. You know, and there were those 
who came that day hearing the gospel message in their own language. But there were mockers out there. And what were they saying? Oh, those guys are a bunch of drunkards. (laughs) They're filled with sweet wine. (laughs) So what did Peter do? Quit? No, he, he used this as an opportunity to share the gospel. Because they were interested in what was happening. (laughs) They were curious. And so it says there in Acts 2, beginning with verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man... uh, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Oh boy. This was all a part of God's sovereignty. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. That's the responsibility of man. God only determines what is going to happen, but how it's going to happen. The sovereignty of God, the responsibility of man. It's intention. We see it all over Scripture. And so we accept what the scriptures say. And that's why I love what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth. They had a lot of problems, didn't they? Boy, I have to do is read 1 Corinthians. It's one problem after another that he's dealing with. But what did Paul say to a faithful few in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So that is our calling. Again, no matter what is going on around us, no matter how we might be treated, though Christ's name may be defamed in some form or fashion, it's all under God's control. We trust him with that. And continue to be faithful to our calling. And so beloved. Just with these few verses. Verses 18 to 20. It's sobering. And we we haven't gotten very far. And yet Jesus here. Seeks first to prepare his genuine disciples. And be an encouragement to them. He had to start with that. As we're going to see in the following verses next week, he's going to open it up to reveal the soul of the betrayer. But right here, he has a concern for his true followers and ministering to their hearts in the midst of that. But what he was saying there to them is for us, the faithful few. So embrace it. Like the Lord and his 11 disciples, you're going to be hurt by people close to you. But in those times, and I would say even always, may you be reminded that God chose you for his own. He controls all circumstances. And he calls you to be his loyal representatives. Those are three truths that he shared with them to encourage them. And they're meant to encourage us in the same exact way with all that we face around us. So embrace that for you. Don't go out today and forget 
By the time you get to your car, like a thimble, it's spilled, okay? <laughs> you will hear these, these truths again in some other form because we need to hear it. But I truly believe if we can grasp those truths for our own souls, you will know victory on a day-by-day basis for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And it is a joy to just walk through these few verses that were meant for the true disciples and their hearts and certainly for us as we sit here this morning. Just like Jesus was betrayed His disciples betrayed by their friend and were hurt by others. We are too. There's no difference. And so I pray that God, we will be reminded that we've been chosen. There's no day that's so bad that that truth there in and of itself can't lift us up. God, you are in control. And we are called to be your representative. May may these truths just fill our souls each and every day for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.